Okay, I think we're live. All right, we're live. All right. What's up, guys? John Sintes here, Cutter Nation podcast. I got a special guest, Ian Marco here, all the way from New York. We're connecting from New York to San Diego. Hey, man, how's the weather up there? <laughs> oh, lost you for a second. I'm sorry. How's the weather up there? It's uh, it's getting cold up here, man. It's not not ideal. It's around like 50 degrees right now. I'm definitely wearing two sweaters. Dude, 50, that, it was actually 50 this morning here. It gets chilly over here. I woke up, I was freezing my little butt off. It was yeah, chilly. Man, it's that Florida blood. Yeah, I know, right? So uh, <laughs> before we get going, don't forget, go out and check out my pad, podcast. I'm sorry, my online store. I've got my awesome thin hoodies right here, my Cutter Nation logo. I'm out of hats, but I got some new stuff working up in the, in the, the breaks. Um, check out my T-shirts. Uh, you can get J-bands, flush bands, tap-weighted balls. And any of my gear that's on my website. Also, I want to give a shout out to Brain Armor, the Omega guys. You guys, if you know me, I'm huge on the Omegas. This is great for recovery. Highly recommend these guys and what they're doing. They're really awesome stuff. Also, check out Valma Bats. Just started working for these guys doing some of the social media stuff. Big League Wood, not a big league price. And their slogan is awesome for all you guys out there, which is never bunt. So, me being a pitcher, I'm totally down with the never bunt thing, you know? So anyway, let's get back to it, Ian. Ian, let's. What what's crazy? Like I said, I we we try to do things a little bit more organically and and go from there. And like I said, I peeked on your website real quick. I wanted to see a couple things, and I see you're a Florida boy. So me being a Florida guy too, let's start off. Where are you from? What's the history? Who are you for the people that are, that should know you? Because I feel like you were just oozing information. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So I'm originally uh, was born in Miami. I grew up there uh, for about seven, eight, nine years. Then I moved to Palm Beach County and I grew up in uh, uh, Boca Raton, Florida. After that, I uh, went to, uh, I was in Gainesville for one year for college and then I ended up at UCF in Orlando and I graduated from UCF. I graduated with a um, degree in um, interpersonal communications as my um, major and my minor was mass communications. After that, I ended up moving to uh, New York. And as soon as I got here, just fell right into my passion, which is my career. And uh, the rest is kind of history, just been slowly building uh, every day since then. Yeah, I mean, dude, your stuff, all your stuff, if you guys don't follow him on Instagram, I'll have the the, uh, the link in the description, but check him out, Ian Marco. Um, and, and, you know, your stuff on here, your website, you got a lot of quality information. I love how you just break things down and and, and really make them easy on there. And you've got some stuff on your website that can really help some people. Why don't you tell everybody kind of like what the programs that you have going on and what's possible, you know, because, you know, there's a ton of people out there that, that really don't know. So, you know, the basis of what, what you go over, basically your trainer, right, and your business. And, and once you break that down, tell everybody about what your business is in New York and then as well as with the uh, online stuff that you have that I think is dynamite. Yeah. So I, in terms of in person, um, I train anywhere between 10 to 20 hours a week, pretty much. Um, I work with everybody, um, you know, uh, obviously for our listeners here, Noah Syndergaard would be my most uh, popular client. I also train someone like a contortionist, um, also train a golfer, someone who plays tennis. So really the scope of who I'm working with is really anyone. I even have like a really sweet older woman that I work with twice a week too. So um, I'm really working with everybody. I'm also having about three hours a week. I assist my mentor who is uh, Fabian Garcia, who is the owner of the physical therapy uh, clinic that I run my business out of. And um, I'm always learning from him, always working, um, you know, at least a couple of hours a week with him. 
so that's what I'm really doing in person. Um, I'm going to start teaching kin stretch classes again, which is basically, um, you know, one of the big um, parts of what I do is, you know, mobility training. And that's really just mobility training within a um, class setting. And then in terms of online, it's really endless. So right now we have our online programming sales. The first one we've ever done, um, it's $50 off for um, eight weeks. And I just, in the past week, we just got a few different players. Um, Devin Hayes is someone who's a pitcher. I just got a Kyle Mueller who's uh, in the Atlanta Braves organization. So past couple of weeks, we've been doing a lot of pitching for sure. Um, so that's uh, the individual online program. And that's really just full assessment, literally anything you could possibly think of, and it's tailored exactly around you. In addition to that, we also have the Elite Video Membership, which is basically like an endless library of kin stretch classes, stick mobility, strength workouts, coaching cues. It's just unreal how much stuff is on there. And that's subscription-based, and it's $30 a month. You can cancel any time. Um, and then I also teach workshops. So this weekend I'm teaching in New York City. Um, I have my uh, two-day mobility workshop. And um, I'm also going to be in Toronto in March, um, which I'll have that up on my Instagram. If you're following me, you'll see that. Um, so really a lot of different things. And then last but not least, I'm going to be um, you know, starting to release more kind of I don't want to say cookie cutter programs, but programs that are, you know, not so much individualized, but more of kind of a cheaper option. Basic, think, basic maybe? Yeah, yeah. You know, especially for, um, you know, like minor league salary or college kids or maybe a high school kid. Um, you know, it's just unrealistic for some people to be paying $300 for a program. So like the idea of doing whatever I can to help them and provide kind of a cheaper option, whether it's 75 bucks or something, just something more affordable for some of the kids and, and younger athletes that are out there is something else that I'm working on right now. So one of them that is going to be called Mobility 101, which is basically just, you know, our standard kind of program to get everybody started and build their foundation in terms of prerequisites. And then beyond that, I'm actually going to, I'm actually working on a uh, pitching specific one, you know, taking all the stuff that I'm doing with Noah, taking all the stuff I'm doing with my other athletes online and in person and really just fine tuning it to be the best foundational program I can put together. So be on the lookout for that. I'm really excited about it. You know, it's I'm in. Oh, man, sign me up, man. Let me know. Let me know what we're doing. You know, I want I want the, all that information. You know? For sure. You know, the, what's crazy, what I really love about the Internet, man, is you get all these people around and it's not even that like I've never met you before. And we just I just get a you know, once I connect, once I knew the Florida side and I and I heard Miami Palm Springs, I was like, I know this dude. Now his hat and his beard make sense. I yeah, 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 yeah. He is 305 till he dies. I know yeah, this guy. Exactly. This guy and I go back. I know him. Right? I feel the same way, man. Especially like you threw out some very sensitive words out there. You threw us in Gainesville and I was like, ooh. Then you said you, Central Florida UCF. I'm like, come on now. Like, yeah. don't, he doesn't even know I'm a Seminole fan, and he's trying to. We trying to start a fire right now. You know? <laughs> we funny. are terrible this year, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good years you know, of years. I know, I know exactly. I used to have a, a good friend of mine, a, a submarine, by and then uh, we just kind of hit it off when we when I went from uh, junior college to a four year, and uh, it was like the first time we started doing like real fun bets against good friends and and the first thing we started is i had a florida state jersey and then he had a miami jersey and loser of the game had to wear that jersey to the bar last night and fortunately you know i got three years in a row that we won and it was just so much fun to watch him walk around because he's he's and you know this 
you know, we do this too. Florida State does it too, but Miami, I feel like, goes over the top. You, any chance they get to wear the U, it could be a sticker, a necklace, an earring. You're gonna have the U on. You're gonna wear it. And he always would have like a little, like he'd have like a little Mardi Gras thing with the U on. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, proud fans. That's for damn sure. I'm like, bro, it's a plastic chain. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's kind of cool how things work together and. You know, like I said, with your information and the things that you put out, you know, every day with with everything from movement to, you know, you know, I didn't I'd never heard the term cars before. I'd seen the the hip movement or whether or maybe I did hear it and didn't register what it was. But, you know, you, you did that one campaign, which I thought was awesome, where it was like, where can you do cars, you know, hip cars? Oh, yeah. I remember you had one dude standing on a bridge by himself and he just stopped pulled out started doing hip cars and i was like that's hilarious like this guy created you created a cool movement which is hard to do like i even had kids because i was telling kids about you before i even tagged you or anything and i think after you on robbie's show or or somebody that's when i found you and and i was like look at this guy this guy's like putting out all the stuff that that we really need to 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 start doing and and understand that if you go to practice for 10 hours a week and you're not doing anything that's related to some kind of athletic improvement of strength or speed or stability or mobility like what are you doing like what in the world are you doing i i do i had a kid yesterday who the mom we had to sit down and have a conversation because they figured it out and he's 11 she's like okay he has three practices a week all three practices they do zero kind of training or anything that's going to get strong like he does when he comes with you for his pitching stuff and i said okay and she goes do you think it would be better if we just got an infield slash hitting coach did strength training with you and throwing and then did that and i said listen this is your kid but if it's my kid and he goes to practice and he takes five ground balls and 10 swings and maybe runs a couple sprints and plays catch if you count the reps, it just doesn't equal out. It doesn't the, the quality of training, the quality of things that go through it, you just don't get it. You know, and it may like it, nobody gets it, you know, and you can't have one kid or I'm sorry, one coach with like 20 kids. It just doesn't work out that way, you know. So it, it's cool to see the stuff that you put out and how it works out and and how much better that people get. You can see it on there and I can feel it myself when I do a lot of my stuff. So yeah. great job. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah. So with with a lot of the stuff that you're doing, let's let's dive into some of this pitching stuff that you're talking about, because, you know, the Noah thing, I wasn't quite sure if you wanted to bring it up or not, but I'm fascinated by it, especially with all the freaking drama with with big league pitchers and people doing stuff. Are you a weighted ball? Are you not a weighted ball? Are you a long toss guy? Are you a 120? Or, you know, there's there's so many different things. And your history of 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 you training guys and what your opinion is on on a lot of stuff, what do you feel like as far as with pitchers and what they're doing? What do you feel like that that they most of these guys just don't get? You know what I mean? Like, is there is there one thing that a lot of these athletes that are trying to get through that just don't get? Yeah, I think uh, I think mobility, um, you know, is something that they just don't get. So, for example, you know, I think a lot of guys are so concerned with their deadlift and concerned with, you know, their, you know, their long toss or this or that. But they haven't really even taken into account that maybe they don't have enough internal rotation of their shoulder or maybe their hip doesn't. 
Like it's as simple as think, thinking about it like this. So if your hip can't get into the position you need to get to, then it probably can't stay there. So that's a problem right off of the bat. Now you add a weighted ball to that and then you try to get there explosively to that position you couldn't even achieve. I mean, over time, reps after reps, it might not be your hip that goes wrong, but the compensation through the midline because of the hip ends up in your elbow and you end up with Tommy John, you know? And it's like, yeah, but that mobility work takes a lot of time, it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of discipline. Yeah, but so is being good at anything in life. So when you take those, those, you make that decision not to spend the time on it and you end up hurt, you know how long Tommy John takes? It takes a long ass time, dude. Like, so hey, by the way, you don't always come back from it. I know multiple yeah. people who had TJ and shoulder surgery and they were like, yeah, man, I just, uh, it never came back the same. Yeah, the quickest way to recover is to just not get injured. And and it and and I think it's also important to really note that there is no such thing as injury prevention and that there there's a hundred percent such thing as injury mitigation because oh, I, I gotta write that you just dropped one on me. There's the the closest thing. What what what, what did you just you just got me? I'm writing this down because this is going on today's so I'm gonna make that a wallpaper. But yeah, dude, the, the the best way to to um to recover is to not get injured in the first place. You know, I mean Whew. It's just, it, it, it's, it's so paramount that people are, you know, getting quality movement, that their joints have the prerequisites to actually perform the movements that they want. And it's so easy to just get so obsessed with what does the radar gun read? You know, I mean, we both get so many DMs all the time. I'm two miles per hour away from having the most Ill, uh, unbelievable career ever, right? Like everybody is saying that, right? But it's like, are you really? Because you look like you're 20 degrees of internal rotation away <laughs> from being able to throw properly to me. Yeah, uh-huh. So like my standards and their standards are just completely different. And, you know, some people get it and some people don't. And Noah is one of those people that absolutely gets it. And I think it's he's such a good example because he's obviously got a lot of God-given talent and a lot of really just genetic potential. I mean, he's an, obviously a monster. But the fact that he knows that, that he appreciates that, and then still does the other work, it just, it, it means the world to me in, in my eyes. And I think it should be a really good example and a role model for young kids that are looking at him and saying like, this guy is that strong, that big, and he still does the other stuff. So I, I really think that that's really important. I honestly think that that's the biggest thing that gets lost, um, you know, especially with, uh, with baseball and, and pitching for sure. Yeah, the the I really I totally agree a thousand percent, especially after when when I played with a bunch of guys who threw ninety five to one hundred. And one of the biggest things that I was able to sit back and watch these guys throw in the bullpen was, you know, when they the the word scap load to me is very sensitive because especially after that's basically how I got hurt. The not necessarily the inverted W, but what what I was instructed as a small circle of of the arm, which looking back like you know when we were off the air i was going to explain this but when i was playing in in the valley league uh in college in between one year i was um i got told later on that i was throwing about 93 and 95 but i had no idea uh, we didn't have radar guns we didn't um it was just the team i was on we just didn't really have anything we were like you know in the valley i think you play three times a week but they were kind of spread out but we had a like a i think we had a, a seven or eight man rotation it was ridiculous like you got to start every two weeks. And so like originally I was kind of frustrated about it because I wanted to get in and pitch and, and 
prove myself because I came from a D2 and I knew I was in an opportunity for a, against a bunch of D1 guys. After being there like a week and seeing what the hitters were like, I ended up just settling, being fine, and be like, okay, I think I can do this. I think I can go to the gym, maybe sneak in an inning as a bullpen or however they want to call that. I don't even like throwing bullpens. I hate them. You know, most pitchers do. I mean, yeah. for me, if I'm not competing to try to strike someone out, then what in the world am I doing? Like, it's just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just bored. I'm throwing up against a, a wall yeah. or a target or a catcher. And that's just, I get it. I get it. But it just doesn't seem like efficient to me. Yeah. Well, you you know, like, the whole mental aspect is tough. Like, if, you don't get the, the juices going. There's no, there's no competition. There's no like aggressiveness. And I, I love a little shit talk, man. I really oh. do. It's, it, it makes it fun. You know, and baseball's supposed to be fun. And when you play in the backyard with your buddies and you're, you're running your mouth, you're having a good time. You know, there's always that one dude that gets too offended about stuff. That's like, you know, and bring stuff. And that's where, you know, what I call one-on-ones when I have my athletes, like we do strike, strike competitions. Right. And I, and I will like commentate over it. And I try to do it on Instagram when I can, but like I have these two 12 year olds, then both parents and the kids really love them competing against each other. To yeah. see, and I'll go, here we go. Three, two count or a three, two count. He's up three to two. You got one pitch. Can you throw a strike right here? Can you do it? Are you going to overthink it and be able to, you know, and of course, right at the beginning, they get a little sensitive and, and miss and get a little down on themselves, but we just keep going and we're trying to build up that resilience and trying to yeah. try to compete, try to beat that other guy, you know, and, and with the stuff that you put out and, and your philosophies and your ideas, it just, it all made like, it really clicked with me quickly when you were talking about mobility and this and that. And then one of the other things that I want to commend you on, which I really like too, and I don't even, I don't think you put this out very much, but you, you talked about individual limb strength and that hurt. Like I had a second where I went, okay, hold on. When I came back in rehab, I, I didn't even think about that. I just thought about, cause I, I really kind of did a lot of the exercises that you, that you did, but I just tried, I thought about it like, okay, how can I make, what's the hardest way that I can do some of these exercises to where I don't have to do as much weight, but it's just working more. So I was doing one legged squats. I was doing RDL one legged RDLs. Uh, I was doing one legged RDL to a press with one foot, trying to control the kettlebell or the weight through the whole thing. And, and um, the other one that really got me that I really enjoyed was one arm chest flies. And I saw you do that. And I went split stance, one arm chest flies. I was like, that's, that's genius. Yeah, like, yeah man. Trying to, not, trying to not let the core go too much. Try to see how far back you can pull from yeah. range of motion strength. I was like, dude, I don't know how this guy got in my head and said <laughs> like, just like said, so I was like, I've never met him before. And he said so much stuff that I feel like I said before, but like, obviously you're more qualified than I am on everything. But I was like, maybe I'm onto the right track or something. I don't yeah. know when the world's gone, but it was, it was really cool to see all that kind of stuff. And the more I divulged into your page and saw everything, I was like, all right, I got to have a conversation with this guy. Cause yeah, you know, the, the world needs to know. And that's like, I don't, I, I just, I want to help everybody that I can with all this stuff. So if you had a, like I said before, if you had a question about anything that I do or, Anything you think I can help you with, I'm, I'm all down. I'm trying to help as much people as I can because people need to know and and help me, you know, help me if, if you think this is true or not. But I honestly think that anybody can throw 90 miles an hour in the world. It's not if, it's when. Yeah. Everybody puts this time frame because it's senior year and I only have two months before the season. Like I've got kids right now on the same thing. 
And they're like, well, do you think that we can get to 90? And I go, honestly, it's up to you. It's not up to me. Depends on how much work that you put into this mobility stuff. What do you do every day? What are you trying to do? And I said, two months is a lot of time, but in the grand scheme, two months is nothing. Two yeah. months is really, I said, I, you know, depending on where you're at and how we get to, I have no idea if you'll be able to get there, but we're going to try. That's what we know. I know that we're going to try at least, you know? Yeah. 100%. So with your, with a lot of your stuff on your systems and, and you were talking about the midline and the hips and everything with pitching, um, what exactly do you feel like? Because you were talking, I really liked what you were saying a second ago about the hips and how with the hips can't get to the motion affects the rest of the body. Do you feel like that there's a, a baseline number of, of degree or something that you feel like the hips need to open up to? Or can you expand a little bit further on that as yeah. far as with the motion and what you feel like, you know, if, if that's some, I know, I know, I think I know that that's something that helped Noah tremendously with a lot of the stuff he's doing. Sure. And, and could you go into the 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 philosophy the strategy behind that side of it and then as well as the health side definitely so like in terms of in terms of what we're talking about with the prerequisites especially specifically at the hip so the idea of passive and active is very important so for example if i put you on a table and i can take your hip in there with my hands and i can take you to that range of motion that's one thing but what happens is especially when you see people that are doing a lot of static stretching a lot of kind of passive stretching maybe you're holding onto a rope or you're using a band like mobility wad you're not intrinsically or internally really creating that motion and doing it with active components of using your muscles so when i put you on a table you might be able to get there but then when I ask you to do the motion, I take my hands off and you can only do half of it or it's super uncontrolled, it's jolty, it's kind of skitsy. And then you go to pitch with that hip, the same, your, your control sucks. Yeah, no shit, because your hip has a shitty feedback to the nervous system and there's not a lot of control from that hip. So you're thinking like, oh, I keep missing outside, I keep missing outside, but what's really happening is there's something breaking down in that kinetic link and it's getting bad feedback to the nervous system. So in terms of what, how much do I want? You just want more. So like if I was a professional athlete or I was trying to be a professional athlete, it would just be exactly what you're talking about. Real structural change is just about to start happening around two months. So like you have to put in adequate work to really get a biological change or meaning like your actual body, your skeletal system, your muscles, like that stuff changes. And it has to have a consistent and really powerful adaption. So like these 10 second PNF stretches and then relax into it. Like, yo, you're whispering to your body and then you're asking it to fucking yell on the mound and throw gas. Like that shit doesn't work. So the, the demand must be loud enough. You have to talk to the body loud enough, but you can also overdo it. And that's what a lot of kids are doing. And a lot of parents, I'm sure you deal with some parents that are like asking that question. And then you have other parents that are like, yo, are you available on Sunday at 6 a.m.? And you're like, no, <laughs> like, why is your kid available then? <laughs> playing in the yard and eating cereal like what's wrong with you? you know what i'm saying so like you can totally overdo mobility work too if you if you're putting way too much tension and you're not able to down regulate for example you have a kid who's super stressed out he just got into ninth grade someone's taking his lunch money he's not eating well he's not sleeping well he's playing call of duty all night and then you know you give him his first deadlift and then right after that you're like do all this 100 percent tension mobility work 
the kid's going to end up hurt and he's going to end up hurt from the stuff that's supposed to be preventing injuries. So how you implement it is also really important. But in terms of actual rotation of the hip, I mean, internal rotation, inflection, so knee up and internally rotate. If you don't have 15 degrees, then that's a huge issue. Um, in terms of external rotation, we want even more than that. But it's really as simple as you just continue to keep getting more. And when you perform the cars, what we were talking about earlier every single day, which we'll give you guys a link for, um, you know, you're maintaining it. You're at least keeping it. So, for example, Noah, right? Noah just traveled the world for three weeks after, after finishing the season. And his friends are looking at him while they're in Amsterdam. He's sitting there doing this with his shoulder. And his friends are like, yo, Noah, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm keeping my shit, you know? Like, and that's what it takes. And that's what it's going to be, you know? So it's, it's a daily, like, what are you telling your body every day? Because you go and tell your coach you want to throw 90 miles per hour, but you go home and, you know, all you did was play, you know, Call of Duty all night. So <laughs> those things don't match. Fortnite or whatever they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like, what, what was really cool about it is, like, like I was saying before, my career, it's not that I went in blind, but the evolution and information wasn't there. But mm. I was able I was able to see a lot of these guys that I played with down in Mexico and, and I actually ended up playing four years straight summer winter summer winter summer winter with about at the beginning I might have had like a month off I'd say about two months off at the beginning for the first winter leagues that I was in and then my my last year my last two years I would only have six weeks off in between seasons but what I and what made sense to me was all right why would you stop if you stop, you you know stuff. I, I you know I tr I try to express a lot of the knowledge that I say. You know when when it, it anecdotal as well as the research that I've done, where it's like when I stop after seven days, I know the elasticity of the muscles start to start to decline. Right. So if I don't stop throwing, but I I control the power output or or I do the mobility. I'm going to be able to keep the joints and the muscles where they need to be because I know if it gets beyond that point, it's going to take me another four weeks to get back to at least where I'm at. So I just can't stop. And and a lot of people didn't didn't understand that. And you know, I'm I'm standing here right in front of you, Bill. Say with the old bionic elbow, I was able to go six years, summer winter, and be fine and and not lose velo really, really understand what I was trying to do and, and go, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to do everything I possibly can to try to stay as limber as I can. Because, you know, when I was in, when I was in Los Mochis in winter ball, I led the league in appearances and I had five starts. I would go four or five days in a row, but I, it, the only way I could do that is if, okay, I know when I get done, I got to get in, do my, um, so like, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the stuff that I do on social media, but I'm huge into isometric holds, especially with the shoulders and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. um, it's the biggest thing that I do with the kids and we, and, and fortunately enough so far, knock on wood, I've never had any arm injuries on her doing, but that's why we work on it. We start and end with isometric holds. Help me out if I'm, if you, if you think I'm onto something, Spot on. Spot on. We, we do a low row. We do two sets of 30 seconds with 10 seconds in between with an arm waggle or just loosen it up. Then we do a flat field goal, and then we do a field goal with the external rotation going backwards, focusing on the hands, getting past the elbows, trying to stay at the 90s, and hold it. And I love this one because it's such a test and it's so hard for the kids. I can immediately see the jolting and stuff that you were talking about in the shoulder and the hand. And I can see, like I did an eval yesterday for a new lefty, and I always do it that way where I have them warm up. First of all, I test them, and I'm like, I want to see what you do. 
see how you warm up personally. Because most of them have never had an original thought. It's all, uh, okay. And they go stand there, touch their toes, twist, do some arm circles. And I'm like, yeah. nah, dude, go run around. Go jog, yeah. do some high knees, some shuffles, maybe some Super Marios or something. Trying yeah. to move, get your body loose and hot. Don't just stand there. And, and yeah. it always takes them a minute. And then like, like this kid did, like everybody else does, when we play catch and we throw, they immediately go to that like, Okay, I'm gonna try to impress this guy with my mechanical motion. It's super mm -hmm. stiff. And meanwhile, I'm just like all gangly and just trying to <laughs> just like whip it at him as loose as I can. And I hit him in the chest three times. They like throw one up here, throw one down there, <laughs> you know, and and then I'll I'll just kind of whip one at him quick, just clap, you know, and then it'll get on him and 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 then I'll do it again, you know, and, and we're only like 40 feet away. And then I'm like, all right, cool. All right. Oh, you see the net behind me. I want you to just throw into it till you tell me you're hundred percent. And I said, I want you to try to throw the ball as fast as you can. That's all I say. Take your time. There's no time frame to do it whenever you think you're ready and I'll film you. And they're like, okay. And sure enough, they all go like 10, 12 throws and they're like, okay, I'm good. I'm like, oh, gosh. All right. You guys have no idea what I like. You don't know <laughs> what take your time means. You know, like there is zero, like I'm evaluating you, you know, and, and, the patience thing is is just so different from what it is but wisdom yeah exactly so it's just really fun to just go in and be like okay understand this is a three-month process before we're going to see anything we're going to attack all kinds of stuff i don't know you and you don't know me and so we're just going to try to do our best to figure out how you can become the best guy you know and and one of the things that i run into with kids too is because it's so organized on from the time they're five, they don't have an original thought. Like I was saying, even on throwing, there's no like, all right, man, how do you throw the ball? They, they've never thought about what they're doing. They're just doing it because Johnny's dad said, well, if you raise your fingers to the sky, you'll throw faster and you won't hurt your elbow and, or you'll throw more consistently or anything yeah. instead of, instead of watching what we see on TV and maybe 1% of the big leaguers actually do that. And everybody else is throwing differently. And, it, it frustrates me sometimes. Like I, unfortunately enough, I'm able to like have my iPad with the games on with people right there. And we're kind of going back and forth and I get to point at like price or Josh James or some of these dudes, you know, sale and how hard that they throw. And I'm like, look what they're doing. Look how fast they're moving. Look at what their bodies look like. Can you get your bodies in that, in that uh, position? And then you see, you know, these scap loads that these guys are doing and this stuff. And then you start looking at it because, I don't think that the scap load, and, and I want to get your take on this. I don't think the scap load is what people think it is. I don't think it's a pinch or a, it's, it's something that happens naturally as the arm swing comes up to depending on where the hand is. I know you can teach it and everything, but that's where I got into trouble with myself about trying to get into this position where we were short and tight and get in there. And, and, you know, I was one of the guys that, but I was convinced that that was the way I was to throw it. And, before when i was more of a leverage what i call a fishing pole thrower where it's a nice long loose arm like a lot of the dominican guys that i saw throw i was throwing 93 95 and then as soon as as soon as i shortened that circle up and i got less range of mobility and i got into it it felt like i was throwing faster but once we got in the gun i was like 86 88 and i was like what in the world are we doing yeah you're, you're so, working harder for less results yeah. yeah exactly and i see that i'm sure you see it too but i see nothing but small circles in there and i'm just like man this physic my physics brain hurts because leverage you know leverage and length and looseness like 
I, I, you, it's almost like you see the American way of throwing and then you see the Latin way. Yeah. You just see so many other guys throwing so much harder with less strength, with less mobility knowledge, with, and they're, they're just doing it. Yeah. And I, and I think that just the way they're teaching it is different. Is that something that you see also? Yeah, I think so for sure. And I think everybody is really an individual circumstance, you know, um, you know, there's something called dynamic systems theory, which essentially just to, you know, boil it down to its base, it's really repetition without repetition. So what it really means is no matter, even if you went and threw a thousand pitches right now and we had it on camera, you're hooked up to the, 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 all the works, right? You would end up throwing every single pitch different. So the angles of the rotation, the elbow. So the idea is the more movement options that you have through the elbow, through the wrist, through the shoulder, through the hip, through the thoracic, all combined to this equation of how many options you have. Those are all options that you won't get injured in because they're available to you. So as much as you want to replicate and have these the, the, the most immaculate mechanics, really true injury prevention lies in being able to throw the ball multiple ways. Not that you would end up changing your delivery completely like with the two opposing ones that we're talking about, but at the same time, there's gonna be different people that are gonna work better with different things. And it's really a, a testament to, you know, just like what you're saying, where there's very successful people throwing that way and very successful people throwing the other way. And I think ultimately you really just need to find out what works for you. And just like what we've both been saying is it's a process, man. It's, it's going to take time. And um, even something as simple as like, you know, your how tall you are, how long you are, you know, like Stroman is going to pitch way different than Noah is. There, it's just just a matter of, you know, so maybe he can create more leverage by having it being of a longer path. But either way, it's it, it's something that should be monitored and something that you should kind of, you should tweak with and always avoid pain, you know? Like when your shoulder sore as hell the next day after those adjustments, maybe that's one thing, it's just getting used to it. But if every single time you throw with a new adjustment, you know, like there's little things along the way that are clues that lead up. It's very rare that someone just all of a sudden it's that one pitch that was like, that was it, you know? Mm -hmm. Because what it is, is it's the capacity. It's the capacity of the joints, the capacity of the tissue. And it's the force that's repeatedly being put into it. Yeah. So over time, it's what really wears it down. Not so much just, oh, I did that one pitch that way, you know? And I mean, everybody gets injured in different ways, but in general, that's definitely a good way of looking at it in my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so let me ask you this. So tension, I love that word because I use it and the aha moment of what you're talking about is actually kind of the style that I try to teach. I try to teach this thing to where it is an athletic movement. I really like what Randy Sullivan said. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he's uh, the one of the part owners in the Florida baseball ranch. He's on that side of those guys over there, but he's a physical therapist does a lot of the stuff that you do. You two would be a very awesome podcast if you could. If I could be the one that got you two together and had conversations about stuff, like it would be awesome because he did I'll, a uh, – I'll follow him when we get off. Yeah, he did a skill acquisition summit where it was like a lot of the same stuff that you're doing and like how to actually create skill and learn things from there. And then one of the things that he did talk about was dynamic systems. That's where I was like when you guys were all on the stuff, I was like, okay. First of all, Robbie, good job on getting all you guys around the same thing. Second of all, you guys are just some brilliant minds and I got to learn what I can from you. And he said the same thing. You know, there's the, the, and it makes sense to me. The phrase of perfect mechanics is probably one of the worst things that we can have for kids because everybody throws differently, moves differently, 
thinks differently is taught different things. But with, like I was saying, with the things that I try to get guys to do is I create like a rule system or where we're trying to stay within a thing where it's like, okay, when I get to where I feel good, where my hands are with my, my the ball being down, the glove being up, I want to feel this rotation of like an offset Ferris wheel where I have both hands go at the same time, as well as both hands on my back foot go at the same time. So everything's kind of feeling its rotation where we're rotating together. I'm seeing a lot of stuff online where you see people trying to intentionally turn the hips ahead so much further than the shoulders. And, and it doesn't make sense to me in the power. Like I can understand what you're trying to feel and what you're trying to do. But just when I see a Strowman or Noah or anything, it's like, I don't see them trying to do that. Is, that looks like it's too difficult to try to do every throw. You know, and so I kind of came up with these things that these cueing things of, for example, like both hands have to move at the same time. Both hands should never cross and both hands should pass your glove hip as fast as possible. And if you if I can get my guys to stay within this motion of what they're trying to be throwing, then the aha moment of them feeling looseness and no tension, because I think that's the biggest thing that got me. I was such a lean forward arm drag guy because my circle was so short that I had no, I had no anti-rotation or internal rotation with the hips and the shoulders. I had no length on my arm. My timing was completely off, which I think the timing is, is, is if you understand the movements and you look at Noah, you look at all these guys, it really just comes down to timing, not mechanics. It looks like he gets to a certain point for what he feels. And then he lets it go. He, and he, as hard as he can from start to finish without letting off the gas pedal. And it's really, you see a lot of people and you hear things from parents that are like, well, he's a big leaguer. Uh, he, you know, my son can't do that. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. Teach him how to do it now this way. It's going to be so much easier as he gets through it. And now that I've been in the area and have a couple of clients that I've had for over a year, all these guys dominate and they don't have arm problems. They feel good. And the, the cool thing is whether it's 13, 15 or, or 17, they know what they feel. And they'll shoot me a text like, hey, man, I don't need to throw, but can I come in and, and uh, use your so right or roll out with the foam roller or do some arm care or, or lacrosse ball? I'm feeling a little tight right here. Yes, come, let's do it. Come in, sit on the side, roll out, make yourself feel good, and let's do what we can. Maybe do some arm care and then go home. You don't need to be here for 30 minutes, you know, two hours being here. Come in for 20, 30 minutes, get your, get your work in, feel good, and get out of here. Go do something else. You know, go be a kid, you know? I yeah, just, no, I, I, something I that you see on a lot of that stuff. A hundred percent. I think what you're describing, and um, I don't know if you know uh, Michael Ranfone. He's um, he's in Connecticut. He's one of the um, one of the people that's big with the FRS system. FRS of the system, and um, he brought something up the other day, and he basically was saying in an Instagram post that it's really a framework instead of you know it a system of systems leads to a framework and i think that that's what you're describing is it's not let's do exactly this it's keep yourself within this framework and then express yourself with your individual capacity and that's that's really really important to me to think like that and to really see the big picture of it and i, I do think that a lot of um you know a lot of the kids are getting good information a lot of the kids are getting bad information but it's cool that you know there's people like us out there that are trying to sift through the uh the bad stuff for them and you know, keep the positive stuff out there. It's uh, it, it's so true. It's one of my favorite things. Like, uh, I don't, I don't like 
reverse engineering things or people to a situation that turns into a negative thing. But sometimes you have to be like, okay, the guy that's teaching you, how did he do? Like what, what, what was the situation? Was he successful? Can he throw? Can he not throw? Did he get hurt and have a career ending surgery and never came back? Does he even know what it's like to not to be able to throw, you know, and, and some of the guys that I talked to, you know, this guy had two soldier surgeries, never returned. Uh, this guy never played higher than high school baseball and, you know, doesn't really understand what a daily grind is or anything from there. And, and the process of me trying to educate as, as much as I can to these guys to try to make them the best, most educated pitcher so that they don't need their pitching coach really is the plan. I mean, I sent some guys off to college recently and they're texting me like, hey, we're not doing this mobility. We're not doing this arm care. What do I do? And I'm like, well, what would you do if you were at home? Like you would just do it on your own, right? Like, yeah, yeah, college is rough, man. College can be really rough. There's a lot. You know what I see in college a lot, and I think it's really an issue of pay, is um, like, for example, there's an Equinox trainer that uh, comes to the clinic and gets treated, and we had a conversation the other day, and she basically did an internship with like a smaller college. And the college was trying to pay her like five grand for eight months. And I mean, like, not five grand a month. I mean, five grand. Like, I was like, how do you even live off of that? And she's yeah. phenomenal. She's a great coach. But when you do that, you limit the expertise and the ability that you're going to have in a college. And, and, and what happens is you end up with 30 people in the room all doing the same thing. And 10 of them don't have the prerequisites of it. Five should be doing something more advanced. So you re it's really tough in college. It gets really bad. And you could say the same thing for high school. And again, that's why if you have the money and you have the capability, you go and you buy a program for me and you see you in person and do your own thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it really can separate you as, as a kid and it, or, or something like hand cleans, right? It's like, some people should totally do hand cleans. They can be the best option. And then there's 10 other options for other people. But when you have 30 people on a team, some kid's wrist goes like this. He has got no wrist extension. He literally cannot go back at all. And it's like, yeah, dude, we're going to have you max out today, uh, first day. All right, cool. Let's do it. And it's like, coach, my elbow hurts. Uh, when was the last time you threw? It's been two weeks. Maybe it's the hand cleans. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like you got and and I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of when we're talking about kids or or athletes in general and this is something again I don't want to blow them up too much but this is something I know it does you need to be a student like you need to question me and you as your coach you need to question why am I doing these things when you're involved in the process, specifically the learning process, a greater understanding comes. So when, when I have someone that comes in for an eval, right, and I show them their cars or I show them this or I show them that, and then the next time they come and I'm like, all right, let's see your neck or let's see your, your, your shoulder, and they do the wrong one, and I'm like, yo, like, okay, mistake number one, not a big deal. Next time, same thing same thing okay i get it you, you're not going to be great you ever cool you know yeah. like being a student and being involved and really understanding the process and the details of it is so important and i think with kids especially one of the things that's great and i think you do this like you just described is you know the whole idea of a partner or working with someone else or when you're a team kids enjoy play but the idea of when you know something you're able to teach it to someone else 
So like the reason I do so well is because I've taught this shit so many times. Like the shit that I'm teaching, I've taught thousands of times to thousands of different people with thousands of different capacities. So when I have someone, I say, go home, teach your mom how to do a neck car, teach your brother how to do a shoulder car, go home, see how much internal rotation your brother has. And then they come back and they're like, yeah, I really get it. He got the pinch there. That's not good. I told him he has closing angle pain. I'm like, okay, I see you, you know? And now the kid's really learning. Not only is he learning, but he's spreading the message. It's like killing 15 birds with one stone. It's a beautiful thing. But I, I think having people, whether you're working with a trainer or you're an athlete, just approaching life as a student is, it's the most important thing in a lot of ways. Dude, that's that's I totally agree. I, I the there's a big have you seen the thing that's kind of going on right now online where it's like the word coachable, like don't be don't be overly coachable. A question, you know, I tell the guys all the time, I don't care if it's me, your dad, your coach if anybody if somebody tells you something or you do something and it hurts, question it, figure it out and find out what's because if you keep doing it and and they're telling you that's what you're supposed to feel like me being 32, being able to come all the way back, I can still long toss, you know, 330, 360. And, and I just do it for fun. I play on Sundays still just to get my competitive edge out. You know, we got to get that. I got to get those demons out like those, 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 and I, and I, you know, a lot of the guys follow me. I think it's funny because I have what's called queso Sunday. And the only thing that's going to satisfy that hunger is strikeouts because I'm going out and trying to strike out every possible person that I can. So, Queso Sunday, start this week, guys, if you're not ready and it's going to happen. You'll be saying, I'm ready to get into it. You're, you, everybody's going to get a little sneak peek into uh, – I'm not playing in Tijuana this year. I'm playing in Mexicali. So, you're going to get to see what the all-dirt fields look like and the, nice. and the music, the banda, everything in the background. You know, it's it's fun. It's really fun. Hey. Sure. Baseball down there is good. A lot of the guys that play on these fields that aren't very good, I played against down there, and it's still good competition. So it's it's fun. It's just there's some extra stuff that most people wouldn't deal with to go down there to play baseball. But for me, I'm like, ah, this is we're just playing ball. I'm just you know I'm trying to. You're standing there. I'm gonna throw this ball as hard as I possibly can until I can't. Until uh, really I can't move. You know. I get it. So, I do. My boys and I do home run derby every time I go home. We're gonna do it for the winter when I go home, Florida. That's a great idea. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know you said that you uh, uh, were a little short on time right there, and I think we're getting close to that. Uh, I got, I got, I got, a, I, got a, I got a few more minutes. I got like ten more minutes. Let's let's go to uh, ten more if you got it. All right. Yeah. No, I'm good. I just wanted to double check with you there. So you can actually go as long. I just can't. I canceled my session. It's all good. Hey, more time with the legend. All right. Here we go. All right. So let's let's go over the, let's go over some more specific stuff because I really like that we di- kind of divulged into a lot of that stuff. Um, it seems like you're you're doing a lot of barefoot stuff and a lot of stability stuff on what we're what you're trying to do and stuff like that. I kind of incorporated that into um, a lot of my pitching stuff, especially like the the land and balance stuff, trying to be able to absorb and learn from there. Could you go over kind of what the idea and the process is of of like the weight shift to the the one head, you know, and and what you feel like that the, the the missing element is? Because I see a lot of people do them when you see people do skiers and some of the other stuff, but you never see the people, first of all, I never see the same technique or the same stop. I, you know, I see, you know, the guy, he jumps, he lands, he goes back and forth super fast. You see a bunch of different ways, you know, people, 
jump down what i saw a depth drop to double skier to a high knee to back to a box jump i was like i just felt like we were creating some kind of jungle gym situation and i loved it but in the same sense i'm like are we playing around or are we actually doing something like i see it all the time but i just wanted to make sure that okay i'm not the expert on the thing is this something that we should be doing or or am I just creating some kind of fun obstacle course that that's a little bit of a conditioning situation? Yeah, I think I think it all comes down to uh, it, that. For me, that example would be very sports specific. For example, like that sounds like something that would be great for a basketball player. But if I'm a pitcher, I probably am not doing ten consecutive jumps. You know what I mean? Because you guys really just power out one and then you reset. You know what I'm saying? So you know, a couple in a row is not a bad idea. And I, you could obviously get to that anyway. I would treat it as a long progression. So if someone doesn't have a really solid single leg box jump, then I'm probably not doing all that other stuff, right? Um, but I think really sitting back into the hip is a huge issue. I think that a lot of pitchers, and it's crazy because they, they're deadlifting and they're doing all these things or, you know, and I think also think it's pretty, uh, pretty important to be doing the single leg deadlift instead of just doing, you know, um, with, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Heenan uh, is another one that one of the people in the baseball community that I really like. And he has the 90 mile per hour form ever on that and i just cannot agree with that more i mean you have so many people like the i don't know it wasn't it wasn't too long ago maybe a year a couple months ago you got bryce harper deadlifting like 900 pounds with a round back but it's a a a bilateral you know trap bar so it's kind of like all right that's a great exercise but like what does this single leg look like that's what i would be worried about and in terms of really the hip hinge it's just so crucial because as a pitcher if you don't load the hip with your abs on the front you're screwed, man. Like that, that kinetic linking that we've been talking about this whole time is not going to do well because you're, the midline is not there. You're not loading the actual muscle, the hip, the glute. That's really going to really give you that power that you're looking for. So I think that that is crucial in terms of the, the barefoot, man, like there's every single person, whether you're uncomfortable or not, is going to be barefoot the entire time you walk in. I think that I personally have really suffered from this growing up. I used to play, you know, in the rain barefoot, playing basketball all the time outside. And I I put Jordans on my feet from 12 to whatever, like classic Florida, Florida boy and (laughs) ruined my feet, dude. I mean, it's been a struggle getting back. Um, It's the only thing that ever gets injured that I literally feet and ankle. So being barefoot as much as possible. I mean, something as simple as like, can you lift your big toe? You'll do that with people and they'll look down and they'll be like, yo, I I can't do this. And it's like every (laughs) single time you walk, your big toe goes into toe extension. So you're telling me that you can't do a fundamental movement for walking. And now we're going back to pitching. So that is so crucial. The way that your feet feed back and give so much information to the nervous system is absolutely crucial. I think your standing posture is really important. You know, like I think there's a lot of bad talk on posture right now. And then there's some people that are too about it and it's all over the place. But to me, your, your, your day is an equation, right? If you spend your day in shitty positions, hanging on to ligaments and, and, and stuff that shouldn't be really holding you up, then by the time you go to throw, you're going to have more chance of getting injured. 
injured. So having your feet screwed into the ground and being barefoot and knowing where they are in space is very important. And then you think about basketball shoes and you think about even more so probably baseball cleats, right? Like how skinny are they at the top, right? There's a reason when you look down at your feet as a baseball player that your big toe is starting to curve in like a 60 year old woman with a bunion and your pinky toe is crushed on the side, right? Like that's not normal. They should be wide as possible on the front. So, you know, those things are often overlooked. And and I think it's just something that people are just sometimes not even comfortable with. Or you'll go to like a LA fitness or a gym and it's like, excuse me, you have to keep your shoes on. And it's like, I totally get that there's this asshole that's going to drop his bicep curl weight on my foot. But at the same time, just like, let me have my feet like actually live their life and I'll just look out for him. You know what I mean? So it's all balance. Let my feet live their life. That's a, yeah. That's a I mean, because you're, I mean, this is a thing that I tell everybody, you know, okay, so say you're in finance, right? I send you to work with your winter gloves on and I have you type all day. You are going to kill me before lunch. You're going to be <laughs> so pissed. How many times did you try to hit T and you hit Y? Now put two of those on your feet, your shoes and your socks. How do your feet feel? They're dead before breakfast. You know what I mean? Like they're pissed. It's just simple, like simple, break it down, think about it. And you should probably come to the same conclusion that you should spend more time barefoot. Well, that's, that goes back to what we were talking about before, where it's the lack of, of, you know, of really of information and people just being overly coachable and just doing it because the guy said, you know, and, and, you know, I'm going to start implementing more of those one-legged box jumps. And then we're going to work on some more barefoot stuff too. I mean, I got a lot of my guys going through, I got one kid who's like, the most hyper mobile kid I've ever met in my life. Like it's unbelievable. He's, I, it took me like, I had to have a strong conversation with the parents because he was six, five at 135 pounds and he was running cross country. And they were like, yeah, we're trying to keep him in shape and keep him active. I'm like, you're killing your baseball player. Wow. He's like, he's not getting enough food. He's not working on his strength training. He looks like something's wrong. Like he, he, I need you to, so in one year, he's put on 50 pounds in one year. And we've just been slowly working on his strength, his right. mechanics, his stability, his food, everything. And he's like, he feels good. His arm doesn't hurt now. I'm like, dude, you were on death's door. I think this was yeah. a problem, you know, and, and I can't wait for the kid. You know, he's 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 a little bit special. Uh, he He's never made his high school team and and he's slowly getting it. It's slowly coming along, but you know, this kid works harder than most of the guys that I have. He does everything that I tell him to. And so I'm pumped for him because I think I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to his senior year that he can finally get to the consistency and the stability situation of his stuff. But, you know, he still occasionally has those days where I see him on his feet and when he lands and when he's got zero stability, you know, I try to get him to do some stuff and his brain doesn't always line up to what he's trying to get himself to do. And he gets a little frustrated and I'm like, it's a process, man. Just keep trying yeah. to go, keep trying to put yourself in it. You'll get there. And you know, if he, he, the dedication that he's shown to his own career, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you anything that you do in life is going to be easy now because you've shown up three times a week and, and never missed a week for like six months and look how far you've come, man. It's, it's yeah. very impressive of what you're doing, you know? Good, Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, Let's get at some more stuff right there. Let's let's just go with one of the most general annoying questions that you and I get, but let's let's see if some kind of general way we can go about it. How would you increase pitcher's velocity? 
So I'd start with what we've been talking about. So you're going to get screened, you're going to get assessed. Um, anything that you cannot, any positions that your sport requires. So for example, if your active external rotation stops, you can't even get your hand behind your elbow. So there's none of that. Then we obviously can't start whamming away on the mound. If you don't have the finish position, so the internal rotation, without your whole entire body coming along and shrugging, then that's something that we need to start on, right? You got to make sure that you got that. Your spine, your hips. So, like, that's your number one spot. Make sure things work well. If they don't work well without weight and you can't achieve the positions you need to, then being explosive within them, is just, it's just not going to happen. Or even worse, you'll get injured before you get there. Next, I would 100% work on all single leg stuff in every plane of motion. And I would train the shit out of your obliques, like isometrically, rotationally, slow, fast, every way possible. And I would integrate the posterior and anterior oblique sling. So like, when for me what happens and especially what happens within frc and um you know the mobility stuff that i'm teaching and you know the frs system is it's all really highly based on independence so like your shoulder works as a shoulder your hips a hip and they're all independent of each other but there's obviously the next step and that's where we're talking about really connecting things so there's skill acquisition like you mentioned earlier and that's you know let's throw a baseball but even on top of skill acquisition, there's how strong is your right hip and your left shoulder together? You know what I mean? So, so integrating those things and specific patterns, like something as simple as stepping and punching at the same time. Like everybody, we're all obsessed with serratus, right? Well, what does serratus do? It's one of the things that punches. So having someone step and reach with power and explosive motion and ripping through their hip. That's so simple, but it makes a lot of sense that that would be something a pitcher would want. So it really, really can come down to simple things like that. Give me one second, dude. Let me plug in my, my computer. No problem. No problem. No problem. He, uh, this, this is such a, such a treat. You know, you, you get to hear people and, uh, I really love what you were saying just a second ago too, about, um, uh, the, you, everybody uses general words and you broke it down to muscle groups that I feel like you were an unlock for the sand, you know, obliques, the rotators. It really sounds like you're a little bit more into rotation than you are into a linear type of situation. Is, is that, is that safe to say that you a hundred percent? So the way that, you know, and, and, one of the main things that that happens with the body and especially the joints and specifically the hip and the shoulder, if your hip doesn't rotate, it won't flex, it won't extend, it won't abduct. Essentially, if you don't have internal and external rotation, then your hip and your shoulder will not move well in any direction. So rotation should be your first priority. Essentially, the joint moves, we're talking about your hip and your shoulder, in a parabolic movement. So it's, it's curved. So just like what you were talking about with that release, right? It's parabolic. That's how the body moves in rotation, and that's how the body moves in power. So in order, even though it looks like your hip is just going up, so say you're squatting and your knees are coming towards your chest, it looks like it's just flexion, but what's really happening inside of the joint is rotation in the capsule. So if you don't have that rotation, you run out of room in the hip and then something goes wrong above it, below it, and that's where you lead to compensations and all kinds of things. So if you don't have rotation, you're not gonna be powerful. And if you don't have the control within that rotation, then you're not gonna be able to keep your power for long.
So that is so crucial. Like that's why I'm talking rotation, 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 nonstop. I'm with you. I'm rotate, turn. I don't know. I'm going to start Googling some synonyms for all these things. And one of these words is going to catch, <laughs> you know, like that's the, I'm, I'm huge into that. I mean, especially, you know, um, the, the whip, the stuff that I'm talking about, you said tension, you know, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of like the rubber band theory with stuff, you know, and being able to create a, a movement of tension with leverage and then, and then trying to unload the rubber band. Matter of fact, I even, um, even have a good, a good thing with the thumbs to try to help the kids is where this is why I think that the, um, the short arm circle doesn't necessarily work for, for, you know, with me or with some of the guys that I work with, it does work with some people, but what I like to say, if there was a rubber band around your thumbs, when you go to separate, you want to stretch that rubber band as far as you can and then throw the rubber band. You know, and, and just just trying to get yourself to these positions that that can allow yourself to move as fast as possible and then train that like you're saying, you know, work on the obliques, work on the rotation, work on the stability. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you and I just think differently about stuff. Uh, you know, you just the there's got to be there's got to be some form of information getting out into the ether that. For some reason, we're not doing what we see on tv you see you know i i my buddy and i we, we used to do some camps together and we talk about there's got to be some videos floating around in the little league world that are telling these people how to throw and then what to do and stuff like that and you just see you know really what are you doing at a five and six year old baseball game you're not the kid's not it's an it, it's it's like a dog and pony show it's kind of for me it doesn't seem like they're having fun they're going to go over here. Everybody's going to get their cameras out. They're going to get what they need to do. They're going to, they're going to get everything together. Okay. All right. Smile. Let's take the picture. Okay. And then the kid gets on there. And then when he goes to do, do the movement where he does, he goes super slow. There's no, you know, there's no athleticism or anything. And then he jogs over to first base. Nobody really knows the game. They freak out. They throw, you know, but if we were to put these kids in the backyard, you take the adults out of it. I guarantee you those kids know how to play baseball. They know what they're doing. They yeah. would completely figure it out on its own. And we don't give these kids enough credit to be like, go try and see what you can do. Oh, yeah. And, and I see a lot of the time with the kids that I work with to where they throw one pitch, they miss by a ton. And then they look at me and I go, okay, try it again. And yeah. Like, Wait, you're not going to say anything? Like, no, I want to see if you can figure it out first because you're throwing the baseball. You don't. You know, you see it a lot of time where kids throw a ball, they look in the dugout, throw a ball, look in the dugout, throw a ball, look in the dugout. And I'm like, dude, what are you looking at? Like, yeah. I'm not throwing the baseball. And I try to get across the fact that if you understand how to play baseball, what in the world does your coach even do? Yeah. What does he do? He doesn't, he makes the lineup and then he doesn't play the game at all for you. So why are you looking to this person for validation, for information when all of that stuff should have been handled off the field and everything from there. And if you get on the mound or you're hitting or whatever you're doing, if you got to stop and look for advice, mid pitch, mid at bat, it, you're probably going to get beat. Definitely. I think, I think, you know, playing multiple sports is, is, it shouldn't be overlooked either, especially with that situation with the kids. I mean, you know, play and just playing multiple sports is just so important and it just stimulates the brain in multiple ways. Something like, going in the backyard and playing multiple sports barefoot, like the amount of sensory kind of feedback that's going to the brain throughout that will play such a big role in, in the development of that kid. And you look at it, I mean, the, the, the list is so long, like,
Patrick Mahomes is literally shredding the NFL in his second year. He's throwing the ball left-handed. And he was baseball and basketball if he wanted it. I mean, it's just so clear to me that, again, movement options are so important. And when you play multiple sports, you obtain those options so much faster, so much more uh, fluid, and it, it pays off in the long run. Like, I think that that is really, really something that should always be said when you're talking about youth athletes. Why, uh, why hasn't he had Tommy John yet? He throws a weighted ball every day. I have no idea, but he probably because he's got the genes of gods. You know, he's got a photographic memory too. Like it's like it's like you literally like made a person in Madden and like create my <laughs> yeah. and had like an extra section where you could give him a photographic memory. I mean yeah, it's like, oh there's oh what's this new setting? IQ. Oh <laughs> yeah. max it out. Yeah, His right. resume is like unreal. Like yeah, it is. Yeah. I I didn't really know a lot about him until um I think they showed him like do like a three-step drop and then they calculated the velocity on the throw where he fit it in the window or something like that and then they were like and then check this out and they showed us pitching motion i was like oh look at that Dude, oh, you throw, look at that you can throw he's been able to throw 80 yards from his knees for a long time like years not just like last week like it's crazy unbelievable yeah. hey look he worked on skills and he trained and he had you know i think that goes back to something else that i said and, and this is going to be a good i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out a very big thing here that I that I personally think I think that there's no such thing as talent I think that it's the people who get the best information the earliest in life what do you think I think that it plays a huge role I think genetics is always something obviously so I don't know if that would play into what most people might think about talent um I think that um you know, your genetics and then your environment are really the two big roles. But I think what you're talking about is your environment and, and, and what you get to early and, you know, how you develop. I think it's it's definitely a crucial, crucial factor, if not the most crucial. But I, I mean, genetics have to play a role, you know, for sure. Um, but, you know, the, what's the classic saying about talent, right? What is it? Uh, talent works unless hard work or whatever, yeah, you know what like I'm talking Talent about? fails unless hard work. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, definitely the biggest factor for sure. And I think that, um, you know, anybody can be successful, just like you were telling the kids, you know, like, why not? You know, or like Russell Westbrook says, why not? Why not you? Why not? There's a lot of people proving why not right now in society, whether we're talking about sports or not. So it's, yeah. um, it's cool to watch. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, it sounds like that, you know, I, I agree with the environment thing. I'll expand, you know, that, that definitely thinks, so. I've heard a bunch of stories. I've done a bunch of research. You know, when I got hurt, I just started, I became obsessed with learning and then not only learning, it was like, okay, what do these athletes do? And, you know, I have debates with people all the time, my mother included. And I honestly think that I screwed up by having a backup plan, by not committing and like just putting my toes in the water and a couple different things that I, I felt like, okay, I need to need to do this because just in case baseball doesn't, you know, work out, I need to kind of learn this. And so I would spend a lot of time on that or, okay, I want to play division one baseball. So I got to get really good grades and ACTs and all this other stuff. So it's obsessed over that stuff. And then, you know, you, you start looking at, you know, uh, I was in the last year of draft and follow. I don't know if you remember draft and follow. Um, uh, but draft and, draft and follow was a thing to where, you could get drafted, and then if you didn't sign as a high school guy, they would send you to a junior college for a year. Okay. If you, 
if you did well, you would you you had to sign before the next draft. That's what they would do. Um, and then as soon as you signed, you became ineligible. So most of the time it happened right after the season and stuff like that. But they would use the season as basically like, a, all right, let's see if this guy really is as good as he says he is, right? So the Panhandle Conference over here in, in Northwest Florida, north of where you're from, is one of the best in the country because the entire league, the entire conference was draft and follow guys. Like it was all, you know, uh, um, uh, Russell Martin went there, Tyler Flowers, uh, you know, big time pitchers. They played in this conference. And I don't know how in the world I was able to get into this conference, but unrecruited two weeks before the fall semester, I roll in, you know, and I was like, right, yeah, I want to play college baseball. I'm in, but I just didn't get recruited. Didn't go to the right things. Um, was told that, you know, people will show up and find you didn't happen. You know, I ended up having to get onto one of those perfect game teams before perfect game was even like really big back in like 2003, 2004, finally get an invitation just to walk on. And I'm the slowest throwing guy first week at 86, 87 miles an hour. And they're 93 to hundred. So yeah. I started talking to these kids and trying to find out what that they've been doing. And it's the same thing. Oh, I've been training since I was 10. I've been long tossing since I was nine, since I was 11, since this and that. And I started thinking about what I did and I played baseball and then I played basketball and there was nothing really in between. That was just, that was just kind of what happened. And then you play on the street a little bit, but there was no dedication of time and everything. And then you see, you hear stories like Mike Trout about his dad didn't let him play baseball until he was nine because he was in gymnastics and played soccer and bas and baseball or so soccer and basketball. And his dad would, his dad loved baseball and he knew that his son loved baseball, but he wanted him. He didn't feel like he was a good athlete yet. So they would just play catch and hit on their own and, and like to keep the baseball skills up about the hitting, the throwing and the stuff from there. But he was taken to gymnastics. They were working out together you know, and in one of my favorite videos, if you get a chance, is to go look at Mike Trout's recruiting video. I think it's still out there. And they introduced Mike Trout, and he's in New Jersey. And there's two, no offense to New Jersey, but skinny-looking New Jersey-like players. And then the linebacker of Mike Trout steps into the box. And you're like, holy cow, look at this dude. Like, yeah. And then he, the guy throws a first-pitch fastball at like 75, and he hits it 500 feet, you know, and just explodes out of the box. The camera follows him run down to first base. And you're like, he's a gazelle too? Like, yeah. oh, my God. No wonder why this guy got drafted and spent less than half a season in the minor leagues and was in the big leagues. Like, it yeah. makes sense. You know, the dude just had better – I really think he had better information earlier in his life. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. I understand the genetics thing. But in contradiction to the genetics thing, we're seeing guys like Adam Eaton, like – Pedroia, you're looking at all these other guys who don't have the length or what we consider, you know, the genetic side of a plus six foot body, but still being successful. Like a Strowman who's still dynamite at, you know, 93, 95, 97 miles an hour, but is a five eight, you know, and and the genetic side of things, I don't think we interpret correctly. I think that's where I'm going with it. I think we I think we look at genetics as as height and length, but maybe not as is athletic and explosive yeah yeah no there's definitely so many factors to it for sure and uh that's cool about trout and yeah he's uh he's an interesting guy you know because especially you know what happened the past couple the past year about him being marketable and everything i, I thought that was really interesting how because he's really not dude like, no, I, <laughs> you know I, I, like honestly i'm i'm harper over trout any day just because of that because yeah i love i hate when we try to turn baseball into golf like, let's just get excited. 
every other sport gets excited and everybody happy about it but as soon as one dude bat flips or fist pumps everybody loses their shit and i'm like why not have fun you know especially after me playing down in mexico let me tell you about the first time that i pitched in front of not just 10,000 50,000 fans and they're chanting gringo sucks as i run out to the mound from the outfield and i'm going like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me i have all these people yelling at me and i am so jacked up that i might throw a million miles an hour right now like it's and and when you have the environment and the crowd and people understand that like you're not going to get offended over a bat flip or striking someone out and people are allowed to have fun and be passionate and and play the game with passion it's so much more fun and that's why you see the the latin guys they're at it like do you remember? I remember John Smoltz commenting last year when the Astros were playing the Dodgers and Correa and Altuve are outside of the dugout jumping up and down. They're like, look at these guys. We need to keep them in the dugout. We need to keep them under control. Like they're getting too rambunctious. And I'm like, dude, get out of here, man. Like get off the airways. Like go down, go down to, I, I tell people all the time that live down here, if you get a chance to go to Tijuana and go to one of their major league games that are down from Mexico, there is sound and music every pitch. And it does not stop until after the leg lift. Like you're in your motion and it's still like they're playing club level, loud music with bass. And then the pitch is thrown, the guy catches it. So for less than a second, the music stops. If it gets hit right after it gets hit, the music gets kicked back on. If it catches it and he throws it back, the the music kicks back on. People are paying attention and understand everything. And not to mention there's four mascots running around on the field with the cheerleaders, with the music, with the other guys, like my buddies that went down to a game with me, they're like, I don't know what to look at. Like it's, <laughs> it's he's like, I, I tried to watch the game. This monkey climbing on the net over here got me. The beer guys behind me, cheerleaders walked by. There's a jumbotron that's over here. I got distracted by like, I don't know what to look at. And I said, that's the point. Like yeah. they, the rest of the world seems to understand live sports being there, being in the moment and understanding the environment of what that creates and how that can get to it. And we, I just don't see that as much in the States, especially when I go to a Padres game and I'm like, dude, I'm about to fall asleep. Like, no, I a hundred percent agree. That's why it's tough for me to watch a full game. The only full straight up, honestly, the only full game I'll watch is if Noah's pitching and the rest is all like, I'm watching MLB, uh, you know, like kind of like the red zone and I'm just following my fantasy team. But other than that, I, I can't sit like, even with the world series on, like, unless it's the world series, like I can't even watch the full Red Sox, uh, Astros game. Like I'll just be like one inning in, I'll be like, all right, I love Bregman. All right, next one. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that makes total sense that makes total sense all right man well look we've been running for a little while um why don't we do this why don't you let everybody know about you know how they can reach you what do you have available what what can people really learn and and benefit from that the stuff that you offer and and where you're located yeah for sure so i'm in uh i'm straight up manhattan new york city uh midtown 35th and 8th is where i work out of um, so you can DM me on Instagram. I have my, uh, my personal accounts, Ian Marco, my uh, business account is at Marco training systems. We'll link everything for you guys. We got, um, if you want to start, so like you're someone right now who's listening, they're like, I'm really broke, but I need to start on something. You're going to go straight to YouTube. You're going to start with a daily mobility routine. It's called it says cars, daily mobility routine. We'll link that. Um, beyond that, when you're ready, come hit me up and let's get you an individual program because there is no 
absolutely no substitution for getting assessed and really working individually on what you need. And then beyond that, um, the elite video membership is just, it's something I'm really proud of. It's only $30 a month and the amount of stuff, you know, if you're a coach or a trainer watching this and you want to know any of this stuff, that's definitely the move. And then um, beyond that, I, I would just be, um, I'll be remiss to, to, to not say this, but like, you know, a lot of my education, a large amount of it is from functional range um, conditioning and functional range systems. So if you go to functionalanatomyseminars.com, you'll be able to find all the courses that they offer. I've taken all of them. Um, so I, I really, those guys are my mentors and they're people that have really, really changed um, my philosophy on life, not just training. So I would say that um, those are really the plugs, man. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So yeah, guys, if you, if you don't go follow him, do it. He puts up a ton of stuff. I've checked out his YouTube channel. It's awesome. And 30 bucks a month for his elite video membership. Are you serious? Like don't eat fast food once a week and you'll save $30 and now you can pay for it. So yeah. let's just go ahead and, you know, let's be smart about stuff. You can budget things in. It's not that hard, even with training. Like I've, you know, I've, I've explained strategy, financial stuff to some parents before about stuff. And I'm like, look, I understand training's expensive, right? But you're paying for the experience and the thing from there. How about you don't go out to eat all the time, budget out your, your food. So, cause it's expensive to have a family, yeah. but you, you can do it all. You just gotta be smart about it. You can do, you can put yourself in the best situation. And that's where something like something that we offer and, I'll go ahead and say it today. Uh, um, I'm I'm working on an online training program as well. It's not as uh, it, it, it's going to be individualized, but it's also going to be a little bit more of like, look, this is these are the things that I like to have my guys do. These are all the drills. This is the arm care. This is the this is the history of my life of what I've worked worked on, how I've gotten myself to where I have been, to where I can throw pain free. I, I yesterday I. I hit 81 miles an hour cold first throw of the day, just showing somebody, look, you don't have to be loose to throw pain-free. It helps tremendously, and you can risk yourself of getting hurt by doing it, but I understand momentum following through, tension and stuff, so I don't get hurt because of, like you were saying before, things that you've learned from other people and go from there. Yeah. So I applaud you a million percent on what you're doing. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming having a chat with little old me. You know, yep. hopefully one day we can link up. If there's anything I can help you with in the future, I, you know, I'd love to uh, collab with you on anything that we can do, man. I really yeah, appreciate definitely that. be reaching out for sure. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys, well, go check out his stuff on his Instagram. We'll put uh, links in the description of the video. I'll also be putting some stuff on Instagram. I'll probably steal a nice video snippet for what all the knowledge i mean maybe like 18 video snippets of the knowledge that you dropped on here um, and you guys, awesome you know, yeah definitely we'll, we'll i'll send it to you and we'll go from there don't forget to go check out my body armor guys let's see where i put it there it is right here go check out body armor right there so you've got your omegas this is tremendous for recovery it's tremendous for my life every day I'm 32 and I tell everybody I feel 16. Like I can just roll out of bed and just kind of get to it. And for the older people, the guys that are a little bit older that understand the struggle of soreness and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I put, speaking, you said Dr. Heenan earlier, I went through the 90 mile per hour formula myself. Check, check, check. Yep. Okay. I'm 91 off 92 off the mound right now at 32, even though I'm not even considered myself like still in shape for everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm, I'm following you guys. 
keep doing what you're doing, you know, yeah. and we'll go from there. So, and then last thing, don't forget to go check out my online store. You can get some of my gear, some J bands, some of the weighted balls that I use, um, the flush bands and shoulder tubing, everything that's on there is available on my website. And so we'll go from there. So you got anything else Ian? Oh, man, that's it, man. I had a great time and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Yep. All right. Okay, guys, we'll hang out, uh, you know, a little bit after we'll talk a little bit more when we get off air, but guys go out, get better. Try to throw hard. You're allowed to throw hard. You're allowed to do some mobility, just stuff. Learn something, invest into your career and invest in yourself that you can educate yourself as much as you possibly can. Like Ian said, DM, DM us if you have a question about something. At the bare minimum, we can point you in the right direction on what you should be at least starting with, whether it's, you know, his YouTube or my YouTube or some of the other stuff from there. So I appreciate it again, man. Have a good day, you know, and you know, go out there and, and keep doing your thing. And, and like I said, if you, if you need anything else, just let me know. 100%, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks. Last thing, guys, don't forget, throw hard.